Welcome to episode 73 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Kim Dexter. And uh, today we're just doing one episode, Over the Edge, which uh, not only is it one of my favorites, but it's also one of the favorites of our guests. So Wes, please introduce yourself. Hello, I am Wes Lord. I am Chris's older brother. Um, and yes, this is probably one of my favorite episodes of the uh, Tim uh, series of animated episodes. And um, I think growing up, Chris, this was probably, I think we even tried to chase down a copy of, before you know studios really released the DVDs of the sets, I think we even bought like a, if you would, a bootleg version on eBay yeah, just cause... for this episode. Oh, absolutely, because yeah, I remember it took a long time for them to get this out on DVD. Mm-hmm. And when it finally did, I was so happy. But even then, it took them a while to get the fourth season, right. which include all this out. But yeah, I bought off of eBay. Some guy had like burned copies of all the episodes. And I think hmm. eventually I figured out where it was on the burned disc, but right. there was no rhyme or reason to it. It wasn't like they were in any sort of order. It was no. like New Batman Adventures would be paired with like season one, new like uh, T8, like BTOS. It was a complete clusterfuck. And then some, I mean, some of them, the discs just didn't work. Oh, and yeah. we were Sounds all, we, like eBay. We were so, mad. we were so afraid that this episode in particular was one where it was on a disc that didn't work. Um, we, did we find it? I, I, I don't remember. Do, so I, we learned our lesson of... Don't buy shit off of eBay. Yeah, don't be, buy bootleg shit be, off of eBay. Be careful of what you get <laughs> off of eBay. That's what uh, we learned. So I was trying to remember, because did we watch this when it originally aired? Like how... we or must have seen it on a rerun or something. I, I, I feel like remember. I probably would have gone and watched it in the morning. But yeah. I, don't, I feel like you weren't usually with me watching the cartoons on Saturday mornings, so not at that point. No. I, I, you you were off honest, like I don't, I don't rowing know. or doing something like real people do, and I was just watching yeah. cartoons. Things haven't changed uh, <laughs> at all. So, but Cameron, you hadn't seen this one before? I had not. Did you, but you knew about it. You knew the I, plot? Not really. Okay. I knew, the only thing that I knew is that Oh, everyone loves this episode. Okay. And oh, so you just got I, to experience I it. I vaguely knew it was a dream. Okay. Um, spoilers. I'm just going to ruin that up front. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we've got to get it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, I couldn't remember whose dream it was or what caused it. Okay. So the whole episode was kind of fresh for me. And it was an emotional roller coaster that I was not ready for. It It is absolutely amazing. So we will get into it. But first, we should talk about news. Because there, there's been some stuff going on mm-hmm. in the, the comic world. So I got a whole bunch of shit. But Cameron, you must have something. I got, I got one thing. What do you got? <laughs> um, Ragnarok is coming out on DVD Blu-ray this week. Yeah. I think it just came out. Uh, and with it, we got the third part of our Daryl saga. I don't know if you saw oh, it on YouTube. Right. Um, yeah. Daryl so, being Thor's. Wes, did you see the, so, so the I, shorts? I, I know the, I didn't watch the short. And actually, I it, I know you said it's coming out in Blu-ray, but it, digital, I think, was released maybe earlier because I had downloaded it okay. last night to watch on the plane coming mm-hmm. down here. Um, but I do know the, the Daryl uh, roommate saga yeah. and that. His his new roommate is someone pretty special, or candidate is pretty special. So, mm-hmm. I'll, uh... yeah. So he uh, Daryl moves to L.A. and his, they, there's only like a minute of the short on YouTube, so the full thing isn't out yet. It probably will be by the time this comes out. Probably. Um, but it's uh, Daryl is roommates with the Grandmaster. Uh, <laughs> just and, Space and so, Goldblum. Yeah. So, it, Je- so it, Jeff every, Go- everything is better with Space Goldblum. Yeah. So it's Jeff Goldblum back on Earth. Basically being Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> as I imagine him as a normal roommate. Oh yeah, just um, and it's great. 
Uh, and that's all that I wrote down for this week. Have you just like been not on the internet for the last few days? Uh, no, not really. Okay, because like the, the I've been doing a lot of work. The big piece of news is that Joss Whedon's off Batgirl. Oh yes, I did hear about that. Yeah, which I it's he says because he never had a story, and I guess he was considering adapting like her first appearance, so the first time she suited up as Batgirl, which would kind of make sense mm-hmm. to do that, maybe more so than jumping into like the Oracle stuff or even like Batgirl Burnside. But obviously, people are assuming that this happened because Justice League was terrible. Yeah, well, I there was um, there was murmurs across the internet of his initial Wonder Woman script coming out. And oh, people, I have that. I haven't read oh, it. But okay, I've, yeah, it's it's available. People said it's it's not the best uh, female lead movie. Yeah, and so people were comparing or were using that as evidence of why he dropped off Batgirl. I mean, I think it's it's probably for the best. Like, I think it's better to bring in. Like someone new, some like new younger talent, mm-hmm. like probably like a female director. I think Warner Bros. probably also looked at Wonder Woman's like, okay, like this was a big success, but also if it ended up not being good, which let's be honest, based on DCEU track record, mm-hmm. it had that potential. I think they would catch more flack. Why? Well, I, I hope that, that the studios just fucking see finally that for these non A list characters, you don't have to stick to a formula. No. Because we've seen it now. With, I mean, Wonder Woman is A-list, but we'd never seen her. Not in film. Yeah. So she got a unique director. Guardians got a unique director. Black Panther got a unique director. Thor 3 got a unique director. Mm. And you see that they know what they're doing. Yeah. If the studio will just take a half step back. And I just, I want them to realize that at some point. I think, I think they might. I don't know. Maybe. I know. I mean, so apparently there was a test screening of Aquaman, and so far it's been good. Good buzz coming out of that. That's good. Which yeah, I want. I want Aquaman to be good. Yeah, I I just want Jason Momoa. To, <laughs> I just want more Jason Momoa. I don't even care about the movie. I just want no. to see him on screen. Yeah, he was one of the few few pieces uh, of Justice League's good. Well, he didn't see Justice League, right? Uh, no, yeah. I, I think it was actually on your recommendation. I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Um, I should, yeah, I think full, I did post, just don't go see this. So, so full, <laughs> full disclosure, I'm someone who, I, I watch movies once they come out on you know DVD or Blu-ray or digital download. Um, I'm not a huge theater guy. So okay. for, you know, and I'm also someone of a habit who I'll watch the same movie three or four times rather than watch something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're a good company for that. We're yeah. talking about 20-year-old uh, cartoons. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, touche. But um, I think it was on your recommendation that I, I didn't really give much thought to uh, to Justice League. And even some of you know, the people I work with uh, back home said, nah, it's just... Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I mean, Jason Momoa is good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Flash is fine. He's fine. Uh, everything else you can... Uh, Cyborg do. was better than I expected it to be. <laughs> Because he wasn't a robot. Yeah, that's true. He actually had like some actually had some a personality. Person. Yeah. yeah, he had more personality than uh, Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I uh, jumping back to Aquaman, I feel like I'd be just as excited for a two-hour interview with Jason Momoa. Oh, as I yeah. am with the movie. Oh, absolutely. Like That—that's the level that I'm at. Like I could care zero for the special effects or the story. I just want to see him do dumb jokes. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, you know, yeah, let's just get, like, Jason Momoa, like, sitting in a hot tub with, like, whiskey and a hatchet, because he seems to love hatchets. Yeah. And just have him talk for two hours. Yeah, that sounds like a great movie to me. Yeah. Maybe that's what Aquaman is, actually. That's what I really <laughs> hope so. Just water <laughs> yeah. hatchets. I'd be so on board. Mm-hmm. All right, so another another quick little bit that I saw is, so Chris McKay, who directed Lego Batman, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is amazing, 
He is signed on to do Nightwing, but he also just signed on to do Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh. So, I, I mean, I know, Cameron, you play Dungeons and Dragons. I've never played, although I've been told that I'd probably really like it. Mm-hmm. I think you would. Yeah. I, I feel like I don't play it correctly, even though there's technically no right way to play it. My group plays it in a very off-kilter manner. Who gives a shit? Yeah, we play, don't. play it how you like it. Right. But I think what this means, though, is that Nightwing is probably delayed at this point. Like, I mm-hmm. don't think we're going to get... And I. Do you think we're going to get a DC film that isn't delayed? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, well, no, I guess, yeah, because even Shazam was delayed a lot. Mm-hmm. No, probably not. No. But, I mean, I, I guess, I don't know, because I'm, I'm kind of okay with this. I still feel like Nightwing should be introduced in a Batman movie, not just get his own movie right from the beginning. Right. And, again, it all comes down to casting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I guess he actually, Chris McKay was on Twitter, and uh, he was like, oh, like, what's, like, the one attribute that you want to see most in? One asset? Yeah, what one asset? I'm like, I'm not even gonna bother going on there. That's it's all about the Nightwing butt because someone else has already taken care of that. Oh yeah, Some, someone's already gone down that path, so it's fine. But don't worry, guys, we'll probably still get Todd Phillips' Joker movie, which apparently now might star Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, nothing about that makes sense. No. <laughs> God damn it! Well, crazy knows crazy, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I just, I, you know, it just it's we it's just a weird choice, and I don't know. Should we do we get rid of Jared Leto? Should we keep him around? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. That's true. That's the point actually. I I really don't care. No, I don't. I just don't either. So, and then the one one last little thing I got, which has nothing to do with Batman, but it's my personal favorite, James Bond. Okay. I I also have one other. I I just remembered one other piece of news. Oh, you go first. Loosely DC DC related. Okay, then you go. Um, there was a great GQ article that came out yesterday about uh, the rise and fall and redemption of Brendan Fraser. Oh, uh, I had seen that. Yeah, it, it's really it's a great read. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's loosely connected to DC because he mentioned the last kind of fallout for him was when he lost the role of Superman. Because if, if you remember, he was up for Superman in Superman Returns. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and when he didn't get that, like he put so much blame on himself that that was like his last straw in acting. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's such a. It's a really sad article. Yeah. Because I, I had heard rumors about why he was blacklisted. Mm-hmm. And it was all things like revolved around alcoholism and uh, like not being professional on set. And then you hear his side of the story and how like after Mummy 2, he was in and out of the hospital for seven years. He had, after every movie, he had to have a major surgery. He had three back surgeries, two knee surgeries. Oh, my God. Uh, and he, yeah, he was just like a broken person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just, like, really sad to hear that. And then there was, I like, guess, sexual harassment scandal yeah. that blacklisted him. Um, and it just, like, I... Think, I wait, I, I think he was the victim of that, right? Not yes. the... Okay, perpetrator. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. he was the victim. Yeah. It was it's it worth was, clarifying these sorry, days. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it, was at, it was at a Golden Globes party, and someone did the, the ass lift. Yeah. Um, and he, like, he tried to... Get, he didn't, like, press charges or anything. He just wanted an apology, and the guy like refused to give it to him, and he like went to his company, and the company refused to say anything about it, and they just blacklisted him for it. Shit. Yeah, he was never invited back to the Golden Globes after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like after the interview, I just want to like go and give him a hug. Aww. I started watching George of the Jungle just to give him that oh like God. half of a half of a cent that he gets on residuals. Yeah, uh, we, I, uh, just to give him watched, anything that I could. Yeah, we watched Dudley Do Right. Recently, oh, so it is great. It, it's so it's it's one of those where, it, it, in and of itself, it it doesn't take itself seriously. Mm-hmm. So none of his movies ever do, and that's no. what they're so good at. Yeah, and but especially Deadly Do Right because it's it's pretty dumb, right? I mean, you take kind of a I'd almost say a C level cartoon character. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but everything about it just works. Yeah. Because it's not serious. It's goofy. And mm-hmm. it knows it's goofy. Yeah. And it, it's self-aware. And that's what he's so good at. Yeah. Because I, I didn't realize he was, I didn't realize his typecast. It was a very odd typecast in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But it was basically the guy being reintroduced to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dudley Do-Right being introduced from like the dumb world to the regular world. Encino Man is a literal caveman. Mm-hmm. Um, Tarzan. Encino uh, Man? Or George of the Jungle, I'm yeah, sorry. George, uh, and Sino Man is the one where he's a caveman uh, it, with Polly Shore. Yeah. Oh, I, didn't, I forgot uh, that even existed. I think <laughs> I think actually that was... A, Probably for the best. <laughs> I think that was one of the trailers on one of the old VHSs, maybe for like Three Ninjas or something that it you was. and I oh, used to oh my watch God. all the time. Okay, yeah, that's, that sounds vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. I seem to vaguely recall fast-forwarding past Polly Shore. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, and then, of course, Blast in the Past when he was like mm-hmm. stuck in the bomb. I guess that, like, Kimmy Schmidt's kind of like a newish version of that, not quite the same. Yeah. But yeah, like he comes out of like the bomb shelter into the real world mm-hmm. with uh, Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Our oh, only, mm-hmm. li- oh no, except for Vaughn Craig, really live action Batgirl. Yeah. But uh, uh, Brendan Fraser. I mean, yeah, the mummy, like those movies, those first two mummy movies are amazing. Right. Right. And I, I uh, they also mentioned like him not getting any kind of uh, callback or uh, like no, like no one talked to him because he's had two franchises that have been rebooted and neither of which Fed any connection to him. So the mummy's oh. been rebooted and Journey to the Center of the Earth oh. was rebooted with The Rock. Well, uh, I guess... I guess reboot's a, lure, a loose term. Yeah, the, they they kind of did... There's got to be a term for like when The Rock comes in to just like kick things off again, but it's not really quite a reboot. Yeah. I once heard him describe it as franchise Viagra. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna. I would say like spinoff sequel. Okay, J- yeah. To jumpstart, maybe? I mean... Yeah, because like, that's kind of what it is. He, they bring it, like, they parachute him into Journey to the Center of the Earth. They did that for Fast and the, the Furious. Furious, for, um... Oh, God, there was another one. Oh, G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. G.I. Joe, too, like, they killed off. <laughs> I love it did that, too, because, I mean, I actually haven't seen this, but I just know this is true. Like, oh, it's they, very mediocre. They killed off all of, like, the... G.I. Joe 1 cast, including Channing Tatum, and that was the year that he got huge. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh... I think they like they kind of bad. did you ever see it? Oh yeah, did they kind I, of like backpedal on him being dead on Duke dying. Uh yeah, that's kind of like the opening scene was I think his funeral if I remember. Okay. Uh, but from what I also remember, it wasn't that they didn't want them back. I think Channing didn't want to come back. Oh okay. Because it was him and then um the main guy uh he was in the rookie, he was in Dennis oh, Quaid. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> you know the movie he's most famous for, the, the rookie. rookie. The rookie. Yeah, I mean, I, I got it right. That, yeah, yeah. I figured you weren't talking about Spencer Breslin, so I figured it had to be yeah, Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Um, I feel like they just didn't want to come back. I mean, that's fair. The the, the bit I love about that first GI Joe again, never having seen it. Do you know who played Cobra Commander? Uh, I, I no, I don't. Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I don't think we ever see his face. No, you don't. Yeah, but it's just like, what? Of all people, what? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, my, okay, my real quick little thing with James mm-hmm. Bond. So, because we still don't have a director yet for Bond 25, but apparently Danny Boyle and his writer, John Hodge, like pitched a version of it to the Broccoli's enough so that the Broccoli's like, okay, go write your own version of this. So now we have two competing scripts for Bond 25. Ooh. So we might get a... Danny Boyle directed Bond film, or we're going to get another script from Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who have done like all of the Pierce Brosnans, but also Casino Royale Ooh. and Skyfall. 
Mm. So it's we we still don't know yet if they're actually good writers or not. I want I want a a good like rivalry in the same sense of Andy Serkis versus Disney. Oh we yeah. We just get uh we just get like a plain James Bond and then a James Bond where they can't use the word James Bond. <laughs> if, for Wes, if you don't if you don't know about this, um, Disney. Uh, remade Jungle Book mm-hmm. two years ago mm-hmm. uh, and at the end of this year Andy Serkis is making his Jungle Book since it's now in public domain Okay, uh, and both scripts were kind of sent off at the exact same time and both movies started production at the exact same time Okay, uh, and so it's just like a, a really weird dumb rivalry going on between like Disney CGI versus circus CGI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all motion capture. Like, yeah. Both of them are Both like, of them, yeah. Okay. It's meant to be the exact same thing, which is interesting because obviously circus still has a relationship with Disney. Mm-hmm. So, but who doesn't at this point? Right. Yeah. They own everybody. Mm-hmm. So, that was but, uh, I, I, on a, um, the Weekly Planet, mm-hmm. as we always reference. Yeah. They make Slash the joke. Steel. Yeah. They make the joke that. Disney just throwing their their money around. They want Andy Serkis, but not for a CGI. They're making him be Andy Serkis. Just actually Andy Serkis? Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, that's one of the few times he's been not CGI something. Right. Uh, which one? Black Panther? Damn it, how did I forget that already? Uh, Claw? Claw, yeah. 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 Uh, shit. All right. <laughs> that covers it for all of the random bullshit. Should we uh, actually talk about a little bit of Over the Edge? I sure. Guess so. I so. I feel like I need to talk to a therapist first. But I guess we can jump into that here. <laughs> it, it's, it is emotionally intense. Uh, yeah. I, I was telling Wes this morning, I found myself crying mm-hmm. when I was watching this oh, episode. Oh, I felt very emotional at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not even just, like, like there was actual, like, you had, you had the water on my face. Yeah, single bro tear actually happened while I was watching this. But I'd forgotten that Paul Dini wrote this, mm-hmm. which then makes absolute sense. Yeah. Because he just continues to deliver, like, the best episodes. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so, like, right from the beginning... Okay, so you hadn't seen this. What was your thought when you just see like Gordon busting into the Batcave, shooting at Batman and calling him Bruce well, Wayne? That was that was the one thing that I, I mentioned before. I knew it was a dream sequence. Yeah, and so that I was just like, oh, okay, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of forgot that as the episode went on. Once we got to the flashback, I'd forgotten it was a dream sequence. Okay. Um, but yeah, when he when he comes uh, barging into the Batcave, it was so cool. You see all the props. You see them just shooting up. Like they're not holding back at no. all. No. No, this is I would one of the most violent episodes. I Absolutely. think so, and, and I think you know it's the the start of the episode that's it's so captivating because it is so different. You're mm-hmm. like, well, wait a minute. I mean, this is, I mean, Commissioner Gordon and Batman. I mean, they almost have you know that relationship. Well, why would this ever happen? Yeah, it, it calls into question everything from the get go of why are they running through the Batcave? Why are they getting shot at? Like, mm-hmm. what? Why did they just blow up the Batmobile? Why did they blow up the Batmobile? Because oh, the they have to. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, you see Montoya pop up, and that was a great little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's our first time seeing her in New Batman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she's like in full-on detective mode now. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's got that kind of cool. Um, I mean, it's kind of bullet s, like the black turtleneck, the turtleneck and like the and brown in the, the shoulder lo- holster. The yeah, whole, shoulder mm-hmm. holster. Yeah, it's an awesome look. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like. Uh, Gordon is ready to, or uh, he's ready to just kill Batman. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Alfred has to come in and make him miss. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a, such a great moment. Just one when they, yeah, when Batman's cornered on the ledge and he just grabs Robin and jumps. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think what they, they did a really good job with is even animating Robin's expression. Like, this is, you can tell even in his face, this is not something that 
he was expecting to be he's ever trained for. Yeah, yeah. no, or, or grabbed and just jumped that far. I mean, they mm-hmm. jump from building to building, but this was a shock even for him of like, well, this is not, this is serious. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because he's still relatively new to this, right? And I don't know exactly how the timeline works, but I imagine he's probably been. If we treat this part of the episode like it's more or less happening real time, I mm-hmm. think he would maybe a year max that he's been Robin. Yeah, and all of a sudden, just everything's been turned upside down. Busting into the Batcave, getting shot at. Yeah, and like even, I, I love that they're even able to pepper them in like little moments of humor, like as they're falling, which is a like a beautifully animated sequence too mm-hmm. when they're falling. They cut to his, his reaction like, oh, we are going to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it'll keep me a little bit light. But yeah, I mean, Gordon's gonna shoot him. Yeah, mm-hmm. Gordon's ready to murder. Mm-hmm. Which uh-huh. is crazy. Oh, but then Alfred jumps in. Alfred jumps in, saves their life, gets arrested. That's also a really touching moment. Because every yeah. once in a while we see that if there's one person that Bruce really does care about, it's Alfred. Mm-hmm. And they, they're able to give him that brief moment of acknowledgement. Like, this hurts him a lot to yeah. see Alfred basically sacrificing himself. Well, exactly. And Alfred being the one to sacrifice to save Bruce. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, you'd think, you know, Batman would sacrifice a lot to save Alfred. Mm-hmm. But then we, the, We've seen that a few times. Yeah. Then in the other way around of what Alfred would do to protect, you know, Batman. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it. it even that... Just this episode keeps just hitting hard. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. big beats, but that's a that's a pretty big one right the, there. The next scene is the only one that I wish was a little more impactful. Which is uh, uh, with the boat Night- chase. Well, the whole part with Nightwing. Okay. Because Nightwing and Barbara, or Dick and Barbara, clearly have a relationship yeah. or something special. Um, and he's the only one that feels unaffected by the whole situation. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a little flippant. And I feel like I would I would like to see him in more distress. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it is it is a nice kind of flip of status quo seeing Batman the one not in control mm-hmm. and you do have Dick come in and even if it's just like one line of like Tim being like why are you like why are you so calm and Dick just being like one of us has to be yeah. and just walking up just like something that shows that he is just as broken as everyone else but and almost taking over the mantle for Batman yeah. in that he's I mean we see that Batman is completely crushed, and even that, and later in the episode of how he reacts to Bane and even some of the choices he makes in fighting him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would have been a, a nice little tidbit to have Nightwing or Dick is the one who now has to step up and yeah, you know, Cause take he, control yeah. of the situation. Yeah, when they're in the cave, he does. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, you guys stay here. I'm going to go get my stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be back. You know, just, just wait for me to do everything. Right. Um, yeah, because I guess this is kind of the first time I've ever seen Bruce without a plan. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like exactly outside it. of his element. Mm-hmm. Again, it's that's such an interesting space to go into. But I, I agree with you. It would have been nice to see something from Nightwing because he does seem kind of the least affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, he even gets a joke. Oh, yeah. When Matoya like, points the gun at him, it's like you have the right to remain silent. Just like, waved. waved. <laughs> just goes around and beats the crap out of everyone. God, he's so cool. I know. Uh, he's cool enough to make up for the fact that he has a mullet. Almost. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> just just yeah. barely. Like, he's just on that line. Just chose the line of mullet coolness. Mm-hmm. Who's got a better mullet, him or Motorhead from Kim Possible? Oh, Motorhead. Always. <laughs> you probably never watched Kim Possible, huh? Uh, well, no, I watched a few episodes, but it wasn't one of my, my top ones. Yeah. So. It's one of the Cameron's big ones. It's my It's my <laughs> show. She's my girl. It's what he'd rather be doing a podcast about. Is no. Kim Possible. No, I wouldn't I, I, be able to. I've seen plenty of Kim Possible cosplay outfits that I... Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, that, that's that's a good one, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... So, yeah, because then 
I do love the uh, like the boat chase though, they're getting mm-hmm. away from the cave. Like, the police comes up and obviously like, there's a great moment where the police are like you know slow down your craft and Batman just guns it, yeah, mm-hmm. and gets out way ahead of them. And, and Nightwing swoops in on his his sweet jet ski. Yeah, and Nightwing always has like the you know Batman has the Batmobile, Nightwing has a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Like he has the <clears throat> Bat boat, he has uh, a jet ski. So I'm wondering what Nightwing's aerial vehicle is. Is it just like a little like like little it? little Nelly from like oh my yeah. god. <laughs> From James Bond type thing compared to the jet, or is it a little Cessna versus a you know what, well, what is Nightwing's aerial? Uh, I, I'm just still caught up in the idea of Nightwing and Little Nelly. That just is me. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be. He better tie that mullet down because that thing's going straight up into the props. Well, I what I see is like uh, when you compare the two, Batman stuff. Even though he's always portrayed himself as the singular crime fighter, all of his stuff are meant for teams. Mm-hmm. Whereas Nightwing is literal individual, like it's a motorcycle, it's a jet ski. Right. I would assume it's some kind of like either hang glider or jetpack, something yeah. for just him. Right. Yeah. Whereas right. Batman, it's it always can fit someone else. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember when this show was on, I had so many of the toys, but they made a Nightwing jet ski, but it was blue. Yeah. Like, it wasn't black. It was like this. No, weird, it, was like, it, it was like turquoise. It, yeah. It was like it, the the the. The vehicle itself was blue, and the handlebars were like a aqua blue. <clears throat> yeah, and we're, that's odd. We were just like, "Why? Th- this isn't this isn't the toy. Like, this isn't." The, yeah, I wanted like the the authentic actual toy. I mean, they did that all the time, though. It's like, "Hey, we're gonna do like these crazy colored up versions." I remember that one came with uh, like a a diving suit Nightwing. But that that yeah. toy was actually like the figure itself was kind of cool because right. the suit was blue, but it wasn't quite as ridiculous as the jet ski. But I also remember though they made his motorcycle, and at least that was black. It was colored the right way, and it had a sidecar. But the most insulting hmm. thing about it was that it came with Batman and Nightwing in like these bright red, like motorcycle suits. But Batman was on the the motorcycle, and Nightwing was in the oh, sidecar, no. even though it was the Nightwing motorcycle. I don't remember how that one. How yeah, heartbreaking. I know. Yeah. So, but they they did some pretty good ones. Like they had to act the real version of his his new glider mm-hmm. too, which is pretty sweet. It, it was probably. With the colors, the way I'm imagining it is it's it's totally for marketing value. Oh, of yeah. When you have everything on a shelf at Target, Toys R Us, et cetera, you need something to draw your eye to yeah. that one. Yeah. Kids will just glaze over it if it's all black. The, the, yeah, if it's just all the black toys. Yeah. But I, I, it was, that was the downside, though. Is it was always hard to track down like the normal versions of a lot of those characters. Mm-hmm. Like Nightwing was hard to come by and just as normal black and blue. And even Batgirl, like they never made a, a really good Batgirl figure. Mm-hmm. No, because her, uh, <laughs> it's because she's her, dead. Well, well yeah, <laughs> it's true. That, a little, little wooden coffin. That was oh, it. Geez. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the, I want the the, the the Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen's oh yeah. toys <laughs> and all <laughs> the burnt skeletons. skeletons. Uh, or the um, I sent it to you the um, the Alderaan Lego kit. Oh it's yeah, a pile it's of just Legos. a pile of Lego, pile of brown Lego bricks. I've seen that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I want the I want the uh, GCPD uh, car with Barbara's indent. In okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> the over the edge playset. Yeah. <laughs> the Bat- dented car. Batgirl hit here. Yeah. <laughs> Batgirl denting action. It's just like the three emotions of Gordon. It's like Gordon <laughs> crying, Gordon angry, and then Gordon just like just also sad. Yeah. You yeah. just swap the heads out on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. Because we never, they never made a Gordon toy even back in the day. I don't think even the new ones they've done new Batman Adventure Gordon yet. 
I don't think so. I was I actually liked this version better. Yeah, mm-hmm. than the old one. But yeah, so we we do get into the the flashback sequence where, as we've said, like Batgirl falls off the building. They're chasing Scarecrow through City Hall, and then he basically surprises her, knocks her off. Mm-hmm. Like, but in that moment when you're inside the the GCPD car and she hits the hood, it's really intense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the commentary on this. No, um, I didn't even think to do that. Damn it. Um, I, I just like read about it on the side because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to try for this episode. I'm glad. I'm glad. You, I'm glad our, you did. Our talk in Black Panther. Um, <laughs> we well, put so much effort in Black Panther, Cameron. It, it, it was I appreciated. Two notes. Oh, good. Um, it's two more than normal. Yeah. Um, initially, that scene was storyboarded to be outside of the car. Okay. Uh, and you were gonna see the hit. But WB said that was too graphic. Okay. And I feel like inside is so much worse. I think it is worse. Well, because it's it's a surprise, right? Yeah. Because the, how many times have we seen Batman, Robin, any of them fall off a building, then all of a sudden it's their grappling gun, you know, shooting up, right? Yeah. And then for this, you know, to just see the, the picture of the car and it's going and going, they're on their way, and then just bam, right? It was... It was a shock. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's it's fleeting, it's jarring, and then also, I mean, it puts you in Gordon's perspective, mm-hmm. yeah. too, which mm-hmm. I think is more emotionally impactful, but I think yeah, oh, way more absolutely. intense than seeing it from a distance. I know. That's why I'm surprised that this made it through and the other one didn't. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. made it through. Like, they really pushed the boundaries on this, but I mean, that especially that moment, though, when he gets out of the car and Barbara says, Dad, and he realizes who it is. Yeah. Yeah. One of the points made me cry, just right there. <laughs> I just had, like, the horrible thought of, like, uh, like she, he gets out of the car and someone's like, "Daddy," and it's like a stripper. Oh God! <laughs> it's like candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, I'm on duty right now. Yeah. You can't talk to me like Later, that. Later, okay? Just come back. Yeah, it's it's really really intense. Mm-hmm. And so, so what I think is interesting about this whole episode is because we do eventually find out it's a dream sequence. It kind of justifies. I think some of the logic here. Mm-hmm. But saying this, playing in the real world, do you guys feel like? Gordon's turn in that moment works. Do you think he would turn on Batman like that? I think so because he'd he'd want to direct the pain somewhere, yeah. and Batman is is the next thing he sees and the easiest one for him to blame. I agree, and I think you know you. It's one of those where in a in a situation like that when there's a shock, right? You're 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 more or less in an emotional shock, yeah. right? And you see, I mean, I think is even you guys a little while ago did uh, the Holiday Nights, right? Where mm-hmm. I think oh, the yeah. last scene of Holiday Nights, is that the one where he, so Batman and Gordon have their, like, you know, at midnight, their cup of coffee. and Yeah. Them, and so you see that real special relationship where they, they do completely trust each other. And now you see Gordon's trust being completely broken mm-hmm. and feeling extremely betrayed of why didn't you ever tell me about this? Yeah. And well, I, I think that's, plays into a really good you know scene there of why he switches so quickly mm-hmm. it's just this like backlash of i feel so betrayed by you mm-hmm. well and i think it helps too that bullock's there because bullock's never really liked batman Mm-mm. so you can believe the bullock would immediately like go after would, batman yeah and because yeah. well, well, he moment, also calls him murderer first. yeah right yeah because gordon kind of decides as batman's fleeing that he's going to go after him but he doesn't go after him in that moment obviously because he's grieving but mm-hmm. i think that like the bullet's presence there helps justify that turn for mm-hmm. both those characters mm-hmm. um yeah and then even you know we move on to that and just you know bruce is sitting in wayne manor just just completely mm-hmm. distraught and what i love is when he gets the phone call from gordon as soon as gordon's like oh it took me 10 minutes to figure out 
what's going on on Barbara's computer, he goes to the third voice, which we've right, talked yeah, about before, where it's like, because it, Bruce Wayne is always kind of affected and big and over the top, and that's the only, he only used that voice with people who are in on who he is. Right. I like that he chose, Kevin Carmichael chose to go there with it mm-hmm. in that moment. There was, there was a thought that I had after this episode ended of, as a kid watching this episode, as a kid watching cartoons, you don't really have an understanding of season length or like when the season finale is or any of that. So watching this live, I don't know if how you would feel about this because you, you did potentially watch I, this live. I'm, I'm, I feel like I must have watched it live. Like I don't remember watching it live, mm-hmm. but I must so, have. I mean, I remember watching it and being captivated. Yeah. yeah. That's what stands out. But I don't remember if it was the, oh, this is the new episode. Watch it. Wednesday morning or Saturday morning or wherever yeah. it would be. But if you if you had watched this live, you and you didn't know it was a dream sequence yet, this is the end of Batman for you. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they they can't go any like Batman's secret is out. The whole city knows. Like this is the end of Batman. Right. And that's so, such an interesting concept for for like I think a younger audience. Where you're going is if if you didn't know how it ended. So, like, seeing it for the first time, like you said, you'd already seen it as a dream. Or yeah. you knew it was a dream. But if you'd seen it the first time live and just well, how it draws out and, like, well, what this is – what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. this is the end. This is the end. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I also know there are episodes after this. Right. Like, right. as a kid watching WB, I didn't know when the, show, when the show was over. Right. If it just no. wasn't on that week, I assumed it was gone. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, I guess not anymore. Maybe I'll come back in a few weeks. Yeah. I'll yeah. try again next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's it's in, it's amazing. Just even as he's going into the Batcave, you know, he turns back and he says sorry to his parents because this is really like the ultimate failure for him. Mm-hmm. Like he sought out to like make the world better, and you know, someone else is paying the ultimate price. He's willing to take that, but not put on somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I, what I do love is, you know, again, like we're, it's this huge dramatic weighty episode. But then there's that great kind of comedy interlude where we cut over to the interview with all the villains. Mm-hmm. Now they know that it's Bruce. They're like, they're pissed off and they want money for the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Um, there was a, a few notes about how um, um, Paul Dini was inspired a lot by a Simpsons episode for this. Uh, and I, I, I kept wondering why. And then you do see these little comedy snippets in between mm-hmm. and everything is very character centered yeah so it's always like you never especially in this scene you never have them share the camera equally no it's it's you have one and then the other and they're fighting for center and then it's the third and then the fourth mm-hmm. um and i feel like that's kind of a simpsonsy thing to do yeah uh and i always when i hear like oh i was inspired by this you always think of the writing or i always think of the writing mm-hmm. but i feel like he got m- more than that from the show. Like, he got the cinematography and the editing style of The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, I can see that. And that's inspired this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, literally a couch gag. Mm-hmm. I mean, not in the same way as The Simpsons, but, like, they're all sitting there. And, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right, because it does kind of just, like, The Simpsons does that a lot. It'll just, it'll give a moment to a character and then jump off and go into another character. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's, it's just a great moment from Harley, where <laughs> she's just, like, spitting this crazy yarn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then jumping in with the Mad Hatter, too. And I, I just love that. He's like, we demand justice. We demand money. <laughs> and then Riddler and uh, Scarface are, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, I had a, I, it tripped me up for a moment because we, we've talked about this, that uh, at this point in the series, canonically, the ventriloquist is the one villain that gets a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, but he's here on the couch. But again, because we re- eventually realized the dream sequence, it's justified that he would be there. Mm-hmm. So don't worry, guys. The ventriloquist still gets a happy ending. Yes, he is still fixed. Yeah, he's uh, still out as a maitre d' in Metropolis. Did you see that the lawyer was the Johnny same? Johnny Cochran. Yeah, it's the same lawyer from Joker's Millions. 
Oh, that's right. I was trying to remember where we had just seen him recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he he did the same, the same like the Johnny Cochran rhyming thing. I yeah. can't remember what it was for Joker's Millions. I wrote it down for this one. I yeah, that one. It's it's uh, if the bat's on a spree, Wayne, Wayne must, must pay, pay the, the fee. fee. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. I just I want to be in the writers' room for that. Like like we got to think of a joke. Just a great oh yeah. And it's it's the one that makes the the most size in the room. Just like oh. God. Yeah, it's like oh, that, that, that's how that you know one. it's good. Yeah, it's like, like oh, we gotta use that have one. to use it because it's just so perfect. It's so bad, but that's that's kind of one of the cool things. Like we were talking about last week with nighttime. At the, this point in the series, you can have so many kind of like all star cameos, and they can just pop in for a moment. Like that's mm-hmm. the great thing about having this world so fleshed out. And I think even like the overall structure of this episode couldn't happen until you had been in it for a long time. It's all right. built on these deep rooted relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's just it's so good. And then we get to Barbara's funeral, mm-hmm. which, again, another, like, really... Well, first we see Jim, uh, he gets oh, right. um, basically fired right? because uh, the city council thinks that he's connected to Batman somehow because Barbara was. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's asked to step down, and he does the last resort. He goes to Arkham, and we see a shadowy, bald bulking figure. Right. I wonder who it could be. Uh, it's the Riddler, because the Riddler's now bald, and yes. he's, he's I, been in prison for a while, and he's been really making good use of his time yeah. Yeah, he's down been, with the white He's bench. been bulking. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, imagine the Riddler with that brain and actual like, brawn oh, to back it up. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate threat. Yeah. Um, uh, but Gordon's like, I need your help to capture the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to the funeral, which is very upsetting. It is. Well, and, you know, it's fitting, too, because Gordon knows he would be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it reminds me, too, of the, the Justice League episode with Superman's funeral, mm-hmm. where I think someone, I forget who, but someone makes a comment, like, man, you'd think Batman would be here. But he he is, but he can't be down there. Like, it's too painful for him mm-hmm. to go through this. He he has to do what he always does. He goes in isolation, just watching from the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, when they, they spot him and Gordon pulls the gun and goes after him, like, it's, again, it's, it's immediate. Yeah. Like he he's gone com- from complete grievance to revenge. Yeah. Just uh in a, in an instant. He mm-hmm. was never the, at the funeral for the funeral. He was always at the funeral because he knew it yeah. was his way well, to Well, it Batman. it was his means to an end. Yeah. It, it was that was he knew that this was the trap and that he you're exactly right. He wasn't there for Barbara. He was there to capture Batman. Yeah. And I, I just would like to point out that I the the Gotham PD needs to go and do some target practice because they, oh yeah, they can't hit anything. <laughs> they cannot hit anything. Yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, watching well, that last three night, sharpshooters, yeah, three snipers, and they hit the like the wall that Batman's standing on. I'm like, <laughs> really, guys? Well, really? I mean, three of you? There, there was a scene that we glossed over um, that we briefly talked about, and it was how dare when, you? We're very thorough. I know. <laughs> um, when when Nightwing gets captured. Oh, oh right, yeah. Um, oh, so many bullets. I thought he, was, I thought he was dead. Yeah, yeah. Because it cuts when you just see a machine gun shooting at him on the roof, and, and you're then like, you see like a bruise on his forehead, and he's kind of limping. Yeah, and his like yeah. his like shirt is like torn open, I'm like, like oh, on the shoulder. Is it, I guess rubber bullets. I guess. He, oh man, maybe. Actually, I didn't even think about that. Maybe I just assumed they like they laid down like suppressing fire so he couldn't get away. I guess and then so. they, they captured him, but it, it could have been rubber bullets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, rubber bullets make a little bit more sense. Yeah. I mean, because the whole purpose is really they want to capture all of them alive mm-hmm. right they don't want to take them dead no they right. want them alive and, and cameron you completely forgot another really important scene uh which is when right after nightwing gets captured 
Oh, that's um, right. Uh, Tim. Or, yeah. Tim's Tim. like, oh, like we need to go in and spring Nightwing mm-hmm. and Alfred. And Batman's like, no, this is done. Like, mm-hmm. go leave. Go turn yourself in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll go easy on you. Right. Um, You're just a kid. You, you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's at that point, I mean, he's he's lost everything. He's done. Yeah. Well, and, he's and that's given up. another one that's kind of a heartbreaker because you, I mean, Tim has had a, a rough childhood. Yeah. And we've seen that. And I think it was in, um, is it Growing Pain? So that's the one With about. Clayface. The, the girl. Is it growing pains? Or? Well, so um, sins of the father is his introduction. Sins, sins of the father. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, see, I mean, you see him kind of. You know, he already had one father figure that kind of let him down, and then you know you have Batman, who he's always idolized, right, and looked up to, and now he's saying, "No, we're done." Like, yeah. You, it, you're on your own again. Yeah. And he. I mean, how do you how do you do that? No, like, I mean it's, do? It's, it's just devastating every single time something keeps going wrong. And yeah, it's just like and you feel out. you feel bad for the kid. I, I mean, did. Yeah, you do. Like it, it's it's another huge emotional moment. And Cameron, you should have mentioned it. All right, you should have mentioned <laughs> it. I apologize. Yeah. I I'm sorry. Oh, I've, I've been slipping God. on my notes. Yeah, really, just get on top of it. But yeah, so we we get we get the funeral and everyone has lost everything, and that's when we realize that the guy in the uh, prison was obviously Bane, mm-hmm. right? And about that, even that fight is really, really brutal. And like Wes, you were talking about this, where the the nature of that fight, the dynamic between them is different than any other time. Well, and I think you know, there's the line of, I think Bane says it's like to the death, then, right? Mm-hmm. And Bruce, Batman says it makes no difference now. Which yeah. I mean, hit, you know, Batman's always had this one rule. What's Batman's one rule? Won't kill we anybody. don't kill anybody. And now it's. It, he's completely given that up. It's it makes no difference now. Yeah. If I die, if you die, if we all die. Well, I, I think at that point, I think he's genuinely kind of hoping that Bane kills him. Yeah, but I mean, he's also someone who's not going to go out without a fight. Oh, and, and just no. the the brutal nature of how he fights with you know taking his cape off and grabbing the the rocks. Oh, so cool. Such a cool moment. And just I mean, wailing on Bane, and that's the only thing you can really do. Against Bane. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, there's no finesse fighting Bane. No. It's brute force. Well, and it's kind of fun just the way that these episodes have, have timed out that, you know, we did nighttime last week. So obviously it's Superman dressed as Batman mm-hmm. fighting Bane. And we were talking about that even, oh, even I then. I forgot about that that's episode. A, that's that, a great that's, episode. That is a. I think that was pretty much our favorite. Yeah, that was my favorite Superman episode so Oh, far. hands down. Yeah. Like even Superman going up against Bane is challenged. Yeah. Like, well, and the thing is, is that. I think Superman's so used to just fighting his way through things that he goes up against an opponent who's not only physically powerful but also smart. Mm-hmm. Whereas Batman knows he has to always be smart. He can't go toe-to-toe with him, so he has to, in this case, especially play dirty. Because mm-hmm. even when um, you know, Bane's got him in the chokehold and he cuts the, the, um, the, the venom, venom hose and ties it to the, um, the shattered bat signal. Yeah. Really playing dirty. No. I, I agree. Yeah, and it, it's it's a, I mean the geography of how they get from the church to the, the top of the GCPD is weird, but again it's so perfect that's where they end up mm-hmm. together at the end. I mean the you know Gordon throws on the bat signal and points it at Batman, and mm-hmm. like the, the, every, that is the image that ties the two of them together. Right, and it's the way it's just become completely bastardized, and the fact that at the end it kills them right. essentially too. Yeah. It's well, it, and it's interesting that. You know, the, the thing that brings them together, the bat signal, right? The physical thing that they use to communicate with each other, or at least Gordon communicates with, you know, with Batman. And then that's what also is the ultimate 
demise of them mm-hmm. is that Bane it's poetic justice. Yeah, well, Bane takes it, it and throws it at him, and it's like, all right, well, you're done. Yeah, you're but in. it just goes to show the level of detail they throw through every single part of this. No, I I think it. Yeah, they were so detailed and so thought thoughtful about every aspect. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I think is really smart is. You know, when we, because at this point, it's, we start to realize, okay, it is, in fact, a dream sequence. And that, I mean, that's, it's a trope. It's done all the time. And usually it's not great because once you're out of the dream, all the tension's gone. Mm-hmm. But they're really smart about how the, like, the, the real big dramatic moment is saved for the real world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end, this question of, is Barbara going to tell her dad? Well, I, I think. It's because they handle the dream sequence better. Most dream sequences, it's like, oh, it revolves around a character's death. Yeah. And while it does revolve around their deaths, that's not the point of the dream. The dream right. is about what would happen if her two father figures had to fight or yeah. didn't like each other anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's the fear. What is your fear? That's mm-hmm. what it pulls from. It, yeah. The fear isn't isn't them dying. It's no. them turning on each other. Yeah. And so that tension can be carried over. When the tension is just the person's dead, now they're not. Yeah. It, it, that is, I think that is what people dislike the most about the dream sequence trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it saves the real moment for the end there. And even when Barbara's like, I have to tell him, and Bruce, he pauses for a second. He's like, I, I understand. Right. Mm-hmm. He gets that it's not his job. But I, I really love that moment when Barbara sits down with Jim. And she's like, here, take a seat. He's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so it's interesting because, you know, she... Dances around, he's like, oh, I just took on this job. And he cuts her off. He's basically like, I always support you, and that's all I can say, because that's all I can I can say. So, I mean, the, I read it as he knows. What, oh, yeah. How, how did you guys read that that interaction? So, I, I mean, I read it as he's just being – I look at it where he's being the supportive father. She got the answer she wanted to hear, but I don't know that that really alleviates her fear of it. Like, it's not a concrete – she didn't – directly head on face that fear right Hmm. she just kind of went he just went look i'll support you no matter what but i feel like that's still shocking i mean we saw how he would react right or in at least in her mind how he would react yeah that's to me i don't think she got the she just kind of heard the answer she wanted to hear but i don't think that fear was actually addressed see i think he acknowledges in that moment that he knows Mm mm-hmm in, he, in the in the commentary, Deanie does say that he knows. Okay. 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 Yeah, because he he's like because he says that's all I can say mm-hmm. about this, and he kind of gives like a little bit of a wink. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think that's what they were going for is that he knows, but if he if she actually says the words, then that puts him in a compromised position. He can't do anything mm-hmm. about it. Well, I mean, in in this case, he he his ignorance truly is bliss because he yeah. just has to say, "Look, I know, but I can't say anything." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, I. It kind of also raises the question is how much does Gordon know even about Batman? Yeah. You know, has he kind of willfully tried, like, ignored who he could be or not? But, I mean, you've read Hush, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a comment that Bruce makes at one point, too. It's like um, Gordon's too good of a detective to not have figured this stuff out. And when right. Batman's strangling the Joker, he says, like, think about who your role models are. What would they think of you if you did this? I mean, that's – a basically flat out saying Gordon knows who he is, but mm-hmm. just he will never communicate it. And I guess that's not in the DCAU quite as much, but I think there's a possibility that Gordon knows. Yeah, and also this episode, which I didn't think about until the end, um, this is all from Barbara's perspective, too. Right, yeah, right. So she doesn't she doesn't think her dad knows. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be completely different if like, if she had this dream sequence after that conversation, conversation where she yeah. might 
kind of picked up that he does know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That... Yeah, I, so I, yeah. I think it, he knows about her. I think, I suspect he probably knows about Bruce mm-hmm. too. And he, again, he's like choosing to look the other way for the sake of what they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I mean, the, the fact that it's this huge dramatic thing and it's got so much weight to it. It's still so funny. Like it just goes to show it really how damn good this show can be. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God, because we got like critters coming up soon, which is like a, <laughs> it's a it's a huge letdown. Yeah. Now, now it's like Wes. I also remember because like I mentioned this before, kind of beginning. I remember sitting and watching these. Do you ever? I don't remember you ever like really joining me to watch them like on Saturday mornings. Like, how much of this did you watch back when it was on? I mean, I remember watching a fair amount of it because you know I'm trying to think of the the timing. I was still probably in. So this came in, out. This was '98. So I mean, I was still in middle school. Yeah. So I mean, I wasn't you know, trying to be an adult yet. Yeah, um, I'm too cool for cartoons. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Although now at 31 I years old, I, I think I watch more cartoons than uh, any any other form of... Oh, yeah, same. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. No, they're all adult cartoons, or like, you know, Bob's yeah. and Archer and, and such. Because they're all amazing. But, no, I mean, I, and I remember watching this one in particular, not knowing how it was going to end. Yeah. And so... To me, this was like, well, what is going on? This is so different than any of the other, you know, ones that we had seen before. Joker, like, you know, Holiday Nights, which is kind of goofy and cute. It's fun. Yeah, it's and, playful. Or even some of, like, the crossovers with Superman. Because I think this did come after World's Finest. Yeah. Where you see the, the Batman-Superman crossover and all of that. Um, and just being really dark and, and intense and not what you kind of get from any of the other ones any of the the you know under the old animation style or even just other new adventures of batman style it, yeah it was different well because we, we've talked about this too that this is kind of like peak adultness for cartoons in some ways so like for kids cartoons because mm-hmm. like this was you know, coming after like the Animaniacs, Pinky the Brain, all the work that Spielberg did, mm-hmm. you know, along with Bruce Tim and Paul Dean, these guys kind of push it. And it was kind of after this, you go to, like to the Batman, which skews very kids again. And it takes away guns and it takes away like violence and flame and all this sort of stuff, like fire villains, like we were talking about last week. But here, like this, when people say dark, they always think like, like just like a color palette, which is true here. But like this is emotionally, yeah, mm-hmm. is really, really dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I don't think. Uh, up until this point, we've never had an episode this uh, emotional. Oh, no. We've had a couple that, that like, pushed the boundary of the time. Like, we had Robin's Reckoning. Oh, it's so good. Um, the, the Clayface episode yeah. that we had a few weeks ago. But this, like, I, 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 would, I would say this is, is number two for me in the most emotional DCAU episodes. Oh, behind uh, The Man Who Has Everything? I was gonna. Say, I would put it above "Man Who Has Everything." Oh, okay. I'd put it behind um, "Ace." I don't, oh, I don't think anything's gonna oh, be epilogue. "Ace" for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, have you ever? So uh, in JLU, there was a season all about Cadmus. It's like Amanda Waller ran like the Cadmus program, basically the government's attempt to create super soldiers to combat the Justice League. Okay. And at the end of that, it ties back into like the origins of Terry in Batman Beyond. Okay. But there is a scene where Batman is facing, like the whole Justice is facing off against uh, the, the Royal, Royal Flush, Flush Gang. Gang. They're all super powered, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so the, the Ace she has um, like telekinetic, yeah, telekinetic telepathic powers, and they're killing her. Mm. And so they send in Batman to take her out, and he won't. He just like sits on a swing next to her and just talks to her until mm-hmm. she dies. And, mm-hmm. and you see her, you see him walk out like 
cradling no, uh, La Pieta style, her dead body. No, like, is oh. that is that why? Because his dog in, I think that's coincidence. Okay, mm-hmm. it, it's not cause yeah. and effect. Well, because so because that would become after. Yeah, so Ace the Ace the Bat Hound from Batman Beyond existed before Ace the character in Justice League and Justice League Limited, but mm-hmm. obviously the Royal Flush Gang, I'm pretty sure preceded. I'm not sure when the. I don't think the Royal Flush Gang was a creation of Batman Beyond. I think that had been around before. I don't know. I have to look that up. I'm not hmm. quite positive. But yeah, I think it's just it's just coincidental. Okay. okay. Yeah, because I think even the Batman Beyond Ace is named after the comic book Ace Bathound from. I got you. I'm assuming the 50s because it was always the 50s when this weird sort of shit was going <laughs> yeah. on. Where there's a super. There was like Streaky dog. the Super. There was, there was Streaky. Streaky Super Cat. Streaky was Supergirl Super Cat, and then it was what was the the her Super Horse called? I forget. Oh, I don't it was, know. It was Comet. That sounds was, right. Yeah, Supergirl had a, a horse named Comet that would used to be a centaur that somehow became like a sentient. I don't know. We didn't. Mm-hmm. It was, we we it was, tried. Okay. I don't. I don't know what's going on with it. Um, there, there's also a Young Justice episode that attempted to do something like this. Um, Which was that one? It, it's. Uh, it was called Failsafe. It was episode. I want to say 14 of season one, and it was. Um, when all when the uh, the Young Justice team watched the entire Justice League get obliterated hmm. in an instant, oh. and how they have to kind of step up and now be the leaders. Oh, okay, yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah, uh, and each one of the members dies off one by one. So you see, like Robin, uh, Robin gets blown up. Superboy gets evaporated. Uh, the new Beast Boy dies. Um, like literally, the entire team gets obliterated until it's just Miss Martian and Martian Manhunter. And at the end, like, they save the planet, and then, like, another spaceship comes down, hmm. and it turns to Martian Manhunter, and he stabs Miss Martian through the chest. Hmm. Uh, and you're just like, oh, shit, what the <laughs> fuck is going on now? Yeah. Uh, and then you find out that it was it was another dream sequence from Miss Martian's perspective, uh, where it was a training simulation on how to handle uh, kind of grief in the battlefield Okay. that turned to such an extreme because Miss Martian couldn't handle her emotions. Mm. And so the it was great because the next three episodes, which I I, I, I know they're not going to do in, in this series, but it would be really cool if they did, uh, in Young Justice, the next three episodes were them going through therapy sessions hmm. on talking about, like, what was going on in in their mind when they, when they all died and they saw their friends die. Hmm. And you see each character's individual way of dealing with that emotion and like some of them suppress it, some of them kind of turn it into anger, um, and it was just such a great like mini story arc hmm. that I feel like if I hadn't seen that first, this would be so much more emotional for me. Mm. No, that makes sense. Well, that, and then that's even the difference too of like when this was made, very episodic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Now, like with him, Young Justice, it was much more serialized where they could pick up those threads and keep going them with. Here, they don't really do that. They have mm-hmm. like references sprinkled throughout and like loose connections, but it wasn't really until Justice League, you started doing like arcs. Even yeah. JLU really was the first time they did like season long arcs for the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, Justice League it was all two parter, two or three parters. Yeah, and yeah, JLU was when they were. It was still the two three parters, but there was a greater storyline that connected all of them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I would say that this. I think this is like one of those episodes you say to people like, if you want to see how good the show is, you sit down and watch. Yeah, like mm-hmm. this. I think like Nighttime, or obviously Phantasm, which. It's Probably still the single best piece out of the DCAU. Mm-hmm. Oh, still the best Batman movie. Okay. Well, any other thoughts on the episode itself, or should we roll on into bat plugs here? Uh, I have I have two two quick thoughts. Okay. Still. Um, they uh, they had a new 
action director for this episode. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember his name right now, uh, but he it's very anime inspired, which is why I was very excited for it. In so, what sense? Because I don't really watch a lot of anime, so I wouldn't um, pick it up. So when I read that, I, I got a little confused, and then I remembered the time period. Because I know anime styles now, mm-hmm. but this is 1998 anime fighting, mm-hmm. where it's it's not as fluid or dynamic as it is now. But you can see a lot of, like, I compared it to, like, the, um, uh, not Evangelion, um, Cowboy Bebop style of, like, it's very, every punch you feel the impact. Mm-hmm. And you see oh, that okay. a lot in the, um, oh, what were the three that I wrote down? Um um, Bane versus Batman. Uh, when he like gets hit against the wall, you feel the impact. Mm-hmm. And usually in these shows, when they when someone hits a wall, they just break through, mm-hmm. and that kind of loses the impact because they just stand up immediately. Batman slams into the wall, and you see it cracking, and then you see him kind of out of it for a second, and Bane takes advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's something we've never seen in a fight sequence before in the show. Um, and then the big one was Nightwing versus the police. Oh, yeah. Where it's very fluid. Um, and you see, like, all of these crazy acrobatics and he's jumping around. And we we sometimes see that, but never in this level. Like, they really went above and beyond with the, the acrobatics of this of this scene. Well, and, and for some reason I have this this memory or thought or that I read at some point that this might have been the first one where they, they did outsource some of the animation Mm -hmm. and and I I may be wrong, but for some reason that sticks out in my head, right? Um, that they did outsource it to, um, I think it was like a a Korean animator. Yeah. Cause you worked with a few companies. I think most, most of the companies through BTOS were all Korean animation firms, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I wish I could remember the names of any of them. Because when I, I n- say uh, this one, I thought I want to say it was LMS. Okay, it was another three-letter acronym. Okay. Because I remember I'm, what I noticed most is like in the cave scene when they're running, you, it, you know, especially now when we're watching them on you know huge TVs and crystal clear high def TVs back you know, twenty years ago. That cathode, was, massive cathode ray tube television. Yeah, or <laughs> like on our thirteen-inch screen that we yeah. thought was awesome. Um, but you can really tell that it's it is very anime style, mm-hmm. um, and more from like the the far out scene, like the the wide cut scenes, not yeah. the the up close ones. But mm-hmm. so maybe I'm completely wrong. But I <laughs> that I read that somewhere. that's for yeah. the fans to decide. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They, they can write to us and tell us we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the the last one was uh, when Bane kicks Gordon mm-hmm. and Gordon just kind of turns into a rag doll as he bounces on the ground. That's yeah. very anime-esque. Okay, because I thought that occurred to me as you're talking about this, like, I mean, we've talked before about the, um, how in animation the screen will go white on impact mm-hmm. because that's kind of their way of uh, drawing around actually having two bodies kind of collide, right? That's the mm-hmm. point of it. Do they do that here at all? I feel like... No, uh, I think that's a more recent anime trope. Because again, I was I was trying to think of like how fight scenes were done yeah. in the '90s compared to now. Okay, because I was actually thinking that maybe that was part of the reason it felt more on the anime side was that they it, like everything was animated rather than having because that's been pretty typical of a lot of Batman animated series. Like this big like in in nighttime they do that too. Like the the hits often have that like that flash. Mm-hmm. I feel like that didn't happen here. Mm-mm. Which I, it also I feel like kind of grounds it in a more feeling of verisimilitude too, where it's like yeah. it feels more real. Because the impact's happening. Absolutely. But I wonder if that has something to do with the, the new art director, too. Maybe. The new, wait, no, anime, wait, fight, 
what was the ter- title? I, um, <laughs> Battle Man. Battle Man, yes. <laughs> yeah, they brought in Bruce Battleman, and yes. he did a fantastic job with um, it. I, I, I would, just, I would, I don't remember his action. I would say like uh, action choreographer. Okay, yeah, because the action in this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I love this episode so uh, much. Guys. And then, do we have do we have two hours for this? How long do we have the booth for? We have we have the booth for a while. I mean, okay. we're just a little over an hour now. So. Okay. Um, I want to ask the question to you two, since mm-hmm. you guys are such a big fans of this episode. Would you like it? Have would you have wanted to see it drawn out into a two parter or into a movie? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think that it it serves the story really well the way it is. There's definitely things that I would have liked to seen more, like maybe see what Robin, you know, when Batman says we're on our own, leave. Like, where does Robin go? What does Robin do? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, what's the Joker's reaction? Like, let's, mm, let's just yeah. even understand what, I mean... You know, we always talk about, you know, you can say Batman and Joker are the yin and the yang, right? They need, one needs the other, vice versa. Just kind of what his reaction would be to know who he really was and, I mean, would he agree with it? And kind of like, oh, it makes sense now. Like, I could see the Joker just being like, well, I get it. Yeah, okay, Mm -hmm. fine. Um, It's hard to tell if it would really change it if it were drawn out more. Um I don't know. That's a good question, but I I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it, maybe it maybe a two parter. I don't know if it would work well as a full on movie. I think part of it too is that it's hard to do these um, like atypical structured episodes as a feature mm-hmm. because you you have to play in kind of a more somewhat linear fashion, but also just like you have to kind of maintain the reality. Of, like I feel like if you did like a huge Batman movie where the whole thing was a dream people be like oh really even if it has a kind of emotional impact yeah I think what I like here is that it is so efficient that it hits so many things in a very brief period of time now but along what you were saying Wes I would have liked to see a little bit more of how the world reacts Mm -hmm. we just get a line on the TV of like oh you know yeah, and who now is yeah, able to be billionaire Bruce Wayne yeah but I would have loved to have seen a little bit of how like, yeah, how that impact would spread out. Like, how, yeah, how would the Joker react to it? And we will eventually actually figure out that information, too, how the Joker reacts to that in, that news in a different thing. But, yeah, how would he react to it? Or, like, how would Lucius deal with it? Or just what's the fallout of everyone knowing this mm-hmm. now, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do people see Batman? We see how the police see him differently, but how does the rest of the city see him differently now that they know who he is? Like, do they have greater appreciation because someone who they kind of threw away as this this just you know billionaire playboy is actually right. out there trying to help people do they resent him more because he's just some rich guy going out and fucking doing what everything? he wants and yeah like, so it, it would be int- above the law right yeah I, I think and we've had a few places here and there we've gotten to see how the world reacts to that reveal but i think i would have liked to see how the dcau how that world reacts to it because i think it it is much better at handling the nuance of the characters and other things so yeah i would almost like to see maybe an extended cut yeah, like what happens to Robin? How do people react to it? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you, Cameron. Do you want to see it done in a longer? I would have. I would have liked to see it in a two-parter. Uh, I mentioned before. I would, I wanted Nightwing to have more of an emotional weight to yeah. him mm-hmm. dealing with Barbara's loss. Um, just giving everyone kind of an individual scene on how they would handle the grief. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. could, it could be like a two-minute scene for each person. I think would add mm-hmm. a ton to this. You see Bruce just kind of like. Not like he'd be the last one. He just wouldn't know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, Gordon could like 
kind of go on this rampage and it would take Bullock, the one who's usually the hothead, to have to like calm him down. Be like, look, you need to you need to step out for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, uh, Nightwing who would kind of like overdo it in training, and like he would start to like he just I, I just see him like on the punching bag going all out, and mm-hmm. the bag like falls off. Um, Is he wearing a shirt? No. Why okay, per- good. No, right, I, I see him. The way that I see it uh, written is like he's he's going on the bag. He like in the same fashion as like um, the first Avengers when Captain oh, Cap, yeah. punches yeah. the bag off <laughs> and like looks at it. I'd see him like have the wraps on his hand. He like looked down, his knuckles be bleeding. Yeah, um, just like showing that he's overdoing it. And then Tim would kind of be like, "Hey, let's go! Like, let's go get someone! Yeah, like, like right. you need to like him trying to get Batman out of the cave. And he just couldn't. He would. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see like Tim." I don't know, like trying to get like Superman to help or something like that. Right? I was just thinking that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, what, like who else? Who would Tim, if Tim knows he needs to turn to somebody, who would he turn to? And mm-hmm. trying to track down Superman because Superman knows, mm-hmm. and we see that in World's Finest, yeah, right. And how would he react to but it? But even even if we just kept it in the Gotham family, I see Tim mm-hmm. going to Nightwing first, okay, um, and that not working, and then I would see him like in pedestrian clothes trying to go to the police. And then that's when he would, like, he'd be the one that would see all these reactions. Mm -hmm. So he's the one that would see Gordon kind of losing control. Mm -hmm. And then Batman would be the one. He'd, like, maybe go to Alfred. Alfred would uh, not be handling it well. Um, Yeah, and then you brought up how the Joker would handle it. Right. And I'd love to see him just, like, not care anymore. Like, like there'd be, like, a breakout in, in in Arkham or, like, because they were all put in because of him, they they might have a way out. Mm-hmm. And I would see like Harley coming up and be like, "Oh, Puddin, we can finally leave." And be like, "I don't care anymore." Yeah. Like. Yeah. They took away the one thing that I wanted. Yeah. It's and like now well, I, well, I, I have is, no. Per- yeah. This isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, you took away all the fun of this. So. I feel like the Joker would just walk away. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He he would. Yeah. Just, like we're we're free. We're out. And he's like, I don't I don't care. He's just kind of done. He's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That that would be great. I would love to see Mark Hamill play something like that. Yeah, too. maybe like a, like a riot going on at Arkham, and you see Harley come in, and like Joker's just like sitting cross-legged on his on his bed. Yeah, yeah he's like, like, oh, why? Are I you... thought you loved a good riot. He's uh, like, and he's like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. yeah, he's not coming. What's the point? Like, yeah. what the what's the? There's nothing worth it more. Mm-hmm. Now, you got if you have you seen Return of the Joker, the Batman Beyond movie? No, uh, um... I think so. That's when um... we get the flashback. Yeah, it jumps back mm-hmm. to the basically the end of the new Batman Adventures timeline. We see what happens to when Tim becomes uh, Tim becomes Baby Joker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't it's, seen that one. It's it's it's. Oh, it's I so think sad. that's that's actually probably the darkest. I forgot about the that. darkest yeah. part of the whole DCAU is mm. yeah, like the the Joker tortures Tim, mm-hmm. but also in that moment the Joker learns who Batman is and the speech he gives where he's like, it's actually just kind of sad. Mm. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, God, love Batman Beyond. Mm. Um, yeah, th- those are my two points. I, oh, I would okay. be interested in seeing, uh, maybe we can talk to Sam about... Oh, yeah, uh, do how, uh, how, how a would, remake. Mm-hmm, yeah. How we'd remake this into a two-parter. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's basically the same thing I said with, with the Clayface episode that I wanted to be a two-parter. Mm-hmm. I just want more emotional resonance with the characters. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. And I think, like, especially because I think for you, you kind of saw like Young Justice more or less first before you saw a lot of this. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, so I think you're you're approaching it from a, a basically wanting like slightly more depth and sophistication in the storytelling, which is totally fair. Mm-hmm. So I think there's more there's more room to be mined. There's like more stuff to be pulled out of here. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, it's still amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Should we plug? Let's do it. All right. Uh, Cameron, what do you got? Um, what have I been watching this week? I watched uh, Game Night. I mentioned oh, to you before the podcast. Yeah. I watched Game Night this week. How it's amazing. Was it? Okay, it, it, I, I wasn't sure. It was hard. Like off the trailer, it's hard to tell if it's gonna be good or not. Um, yeah, I was I was going into the theater and I couldn't decide between like Game Night or Annihilation because mm-hmm. both are reviewing great on Rotten. Yeah, right they now. are. Both are uh, above ninety five percent. And I was like, no, I I I'm, I'm gonna try a comedy because it's been a while since we've had a good comedy in theaters. Yeah. Um, oh, like the Big Sick, I'd say probably is, and that's even more of a dramedy. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, just like a clean comedy, because like, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had Big Sick, we had Lego Batman, which I and, and Ragnarok, which I considered the three biggest comedies of last year. Yeah. Um, but no, none of them were like straight comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this one was great. It it has a very big like, Twenty One Jump Street feel to it. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of nice to see Rachel McAdams in a comedic role again. Yeah, like based on the, some of the stuff of her in the trailer, it looked like she does a good job with mm-hmm. it. And it's 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 a really it's a really cute dynamic between her and Jason Bateman. Okay, I will say the third act kind of loses me. Mm-hmm. It it does kind of get too big for its britches. Okay, uh, but the first two acts are are so good. Okay, well uh, well worth seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, I'll try and get out and see that one because I like that cast. Mm-hmm. Too, because it's also what um, Kyle Chandler is in there. Winston from New Girl. Yeah, okay, it was the guy remember, from New Girl. I can't Girl. remember his name, it. but yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who else. And no one else really big is Okay. It? But they're, they're all, like, you'd recognize them from things, but I just can't figure out what they're from. Yeah. it's It kind of feels like, because so many of the comedies these days, like, huge, like, huge big-name cast comedies, like, oh, the budget just gets overblown to pay all these guys, and they all need their moment. This feels like it was more like, we're going to pepper this with really talented people more so than just getting big names. It's like a big names. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's what it feels like. Okay, nice. Um, and then I I plugged it last week, but I felt like it was an unjust plug <laughs> because I'd only watched the, the first episode, but I just finished Everything Sucks. Oh, I thought you were going to say you went back and rewatched Three Billboards. Oh, no. With like not on the... He, so Cameron watched Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri okay. on the plane, but that means that it was all cut up. And Martin McDonough, who's the writer director on that, is like a genius with swearing. Mm, mm-hmm. And okay, uh, I had to watch the the edited airplane version oh, that had which, no swearing. Right. The the TBS version. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like what's the point? Even? Okay, uh, but it was, so every, it was very funny. So everything sucks though. How was the rest of it? Uh, it got much better. Okay, good. So the first three or four, uh, until you actually get the plot. It's it's just kind of a mash show. It's a mash show with a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But once you get to the actual story, um, I really liked it. I you know I, it's ten episode ten thirty minute episodes. Okay. Uh, after like episode five, I just binged it. I, I didn't do anything else for the rest of my day. Sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, it was great. How I recommend it. Okay. Uh, that's probably the soundtrack I'll be listening to for the next like three weeks. Because it's all like what early mid nineties. Yeah, and I I figured out when the movie takes place. Okay. That was my big thing. It's like what <laughs> year is this? Uh, it is officially nineteen ninety six when that movie takes place. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. So at least you're you're alive. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it was just bugging me of like I had to know exactly exact where all the line. references were. Yeah. Right? Um, and so they make like a like a. Intel, uh, not, uh, an Independence Day reference. Okay. I'm like, okay, so it's after this date. After okay. Time, yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, so did you figure that out on your own, or did you like look online to get confirmation? I figured, out, I figured it out on my own. Okay, I don't know. I don't, you know. I like. I can do my movie <laughs> you detective your, work. Your sleuthing. Yes. Your cinema sleuthing. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a <laughs> cinema Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh wait, does that make me your cinema Watson? No, you're just a better Sherlock. Okay. <laughs> 
was like, if I'm the Martin Freeman version, sure, I'll be your mm. Cinema Watson. I'll be I'll be the American elementary Sherlock Holmes, and you can oh, be the, the, the Johnny Lee Miller, yeah. and I can, can be Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. All right, where's, where's Lucy Liu? That, we don't have a Lucy Liu. No, I, I'm just saying, where's Lucy Liu? That's all, so. Would you like to be the Lucy Liu? No, no, I no, okay. um, no, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what are, what are you guys watching, listening, reading to? What's that about you? Well, so maybe not so much as a, a plug, but maybe going back to news um, that I just thought of is we saw the first uh, trailer for Lost in Space. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. That looks so good. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty exciting. I, I mean, you know, Chris and I grew up watching the old, the original Lost in Space, not oh, yeah. the crappy. Uh, Although I watched that a lot. It's it's terrible, but I watched it a lot the, as a kid. The, the, the movie. movie, yeah. No, I remember, and I remember what, when that trailer came out for that. I was so excited about it. They were and good now, trailers. Like, well, uh, and it, you know, I it was one of those movies where I watched it a lot, and I did kind of it was before IMDb and all that. But you know, found out that there's they filmed a whole bunch of other stuff that just never made the cut. Yeah, um, and stuff that I think would have made the movie better, um, but. Yeah, and it, it's kind of meh. And the hard part was always like, that's not the Jupiter two. No, it, I know. It is, the, that's it's, not the Jupiter two. Sure, it's outdated just to have it as a flying saucer spaceship, but yeah. that's what the Jupiter two was. Yeah, it's so. But um, you know that looks exciting. I mean, mm-hmm. just to to have yeah. it, and then and uh, in in that teaser we get just a bit of the outside and at least based on them walking into the ship it looks like it looks more like it looks more like the original, the original Jupiter 2 yeah right and so I I actually had a chance to read the script for that pilot mm-hmm. a while Ooh. ago um and it's you Hollywood <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> let me just straighten out my tie here um it was really good but what's interesting is based off that script it didn't sound like the ship would look like the, the, the original Jupiter 2, yeah. so it looks like they may have changed some stuff, but no, I'm, I'm very, very excited for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, it's hard to, to hear the, the robot voice because it, it it's not the robot voice that we grew up with. No, right? yeah. So it's kind of hard, like, that's not the robot, well, but... Yeah, well, because that actor also died. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was probably, probably yeah, old when he did old the when original he, he did it one, in the so. 60s. Yeah, because I think, I think he was... I think he died not too long after they did the, the, the movie. The, the movie. they brought him yeah. back to the movie. Yeah. 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 Um, so that that maybe a little bit of news and a plug. Oh, it's, it's a plug. Go watch yeah. the trailer. Get excited um, about this. Yeah. You know, again, plug. You talked about Ragnarok. I watched Ragnarok uh, last night on the plane. That was pretty cool. <sighs> I, I think it's up fun. there with with one of the uh, the better Marvel ones. Um, and then kind of completely uh, outer space. But uh, is I've been rewatching Deep Space Nine. Oh, um, and you know what I really liked about or like about Deep Space Nine is it is much more character development than you know even episodic as the Next Generation would be. And you know, at the time watching it, you're kind of more concerned. At least when I watched it originally, like, okay, well, what's going on with Starfleet? You know, mm-hmm. Cisco, and then they yeah. have the Defiant. Where's the Defiant? I just yeah. want more yeah. Defiant. Where's the Defiant? I don't care about this. But then, you know, watching it. The character that I've really come attached to, and I think it focuses more on that when originally when you watch it, you're focused on Starfleet is Quark. And oh, yeah. And you know how a dynamic of a character Quark really is mm-hmm. in terms of he's always scheming, but he actually does 
more or less try to do the right thing in most situations. Yeah. Um, and it was just something now watching it as an adult, it kind of, uh, you know, I feel more for Cork than I did say <laughs> when I first watched it. And I was like, I just want to see the, the defiant blow shit up. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. It's always a fun it's, point it's in, fun. In, in aging when you notice that, you relate more to the the other characters right. as you get older. Right. I yeah. think I, I might relate more to Quark or well, to Chief O'Brien than I was like, yeah. I want to be Cisco. I well, want to yeah. be Yeah. Like know. as a kid, you want to be like the hero. And then eventually you're like, oh, I'm I'm not a hero. I'm the quirky sidekick. Yeah. And I really like that sidekick. I'm just yeah. gonna I'm just gonna lean into that. Harder. My, my favorites are all the like the SpongeBob ones. Like as a uh-huh. kid, you always were on SpongeBob's side, but now that I'm an adult, I really understand where, Squ- where Squidward's coming from. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, SpongeBob kind of grating sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I really sympathize. It's Davy Jones, right? He's got the Flying Dutchman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sympathize. With Davy Jones. <clears throat> He's just trying to run his ship, and yeah. SpongeBob is just you know tearing it through barnacles, or the, uh, the side of it up. I love all the like the princess, the Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. The scene where Ariel is like, "I'm 15, Dad. I'm an adult." <laughs> and now that you're past 15, you're like, "No, you're not. You're a child. No. Go to your room. Shut <laughs> up." I'm 31, and I still don't feel like an adult. Yeah. So. It, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, Chris, what are you watching, listening, reading? Uh, so I watched this great video from our friends over at the Watchtower Database. Uh, they did a cool bit video figuring out where in the DCAU timeline Batman or Harley Quinn falls, the, the movie that we went and saw at Comic-Con. Okay. Because Bruce Timm has said that he considers it part of the DCAU, and obviously there's a lot of things that are different about it. But clearly that's what they're drawing from. And so they were able to kind of pinpoint roughly where it falls um, – Kind of like basically a little bit after Wild Card, which is the penultimate episode from Justice League. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, maybe not quite. I think it's Wild Card and then the Christmas episode and then Star Crossed. Doesn't matter. But they're, able, they're basically able to figure out like roughly where that would have to fall in the DCU timeline. So it's pretty cool. I guess they do a whole bunch of other timeline videos. I'm going to go check out some more of those and maybe they can help us figure out like how we should structure <laughs> what episodes we watch when as we no. get into, like, especially when we start getting into like, uh, like Static Shock and Justice League and like even Batman, like new Batman adventures, these are all kind of overlapping somewhat simultaneously. Right. So maybe they can help us with that. So it's it's worth giving it a, a watch. And then also something we talked about on the Black Panther crossover, but I'm actually going to plug it here properly, was that Vanity Fair did this really interesting oh, video yeah. interview with Ryan Klugler where he breaks down the fight sequence from the casino fight in Black Panther, which for me, that's the best scene in the whole movie. And the level of detail that he goes into about how much they thought through the whole process and how the themes are really tied into the characters and the fight sequence that plays out. It's just interesting to see someone put that much thought into an action sequence and proving that, you know, action can still do a lot in terms of telling story and yeah. building character. I, I went and uh, I went and watched Black Panther a second time after mm-hmm. watching that video. Okay. And yeah. I really noticed all of the colors. Yeah. Um, the every every tribe has a unique color, which I didn't mm-hmm. catch on the first time. Mm-hmm. Same. But then when it's just the three of them, they're almost always in that red, black, and green. Um, it's, it's, it's a super cool kind of tie-in for the movie. Oh, no, it's it's amazing. And I, and I, think, I think that movie one in general proves that serious filmmakers make these. Yeah, they're, they're action blockbusters, but they hand the reins and frankly the budget to people who really want to make very great, film something to say and I think Black Panther shows that and then this video kind of helps encourage that idea too like seeing how it's all done so uh, give that a watch and then also uh, I guessed it on our friend Jonathan's podcast Buzzed on Broadway we recorded it a little while Ooh. ago where uh, I joined him to talk about Chicago 
So that's coming out this upcoming week sometime. So I'll, I'll post that once it comes up. But you can listen to me get increasingly more drunk off gin and talk about how much I like <laughs> Chicago. Amazing. Perfect. The, yeah. the, the play, not, not necessarily the not city. Not the city. Yeah, that's so. the city. Excuse me. Yes, the, the movie musical. Yes. I've yeah. actually never been to Chicago, the city itself. Wait, so it, are, were you pro movie or pro musical? Um, I've never seen the stage version. Okay. I've only seen the movie. And I the movie is one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that is a five-star film for me up there with, like, The Incredibles, Casino Royale, Casablanca. Like, I, I love that movie. It's one I will never stop watching. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it on stage. I would like to at some point. I've, I've, some people say the stage version is better. Other people say the movie is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just want to see the stage version of... Um, Salt Bach Tango? No. Oh, well, the, um, well, yeah, Salt Bach Tango. Yeah. Uh, but no, our Reach for the Gun. Oh, okay. Because that's yeah. my favorite number from the movie. I'd be very interested in the stage version, too, because the movie plays so well cutting between reality and the fantasy of it and contrasting mm-hmm. those. Like yeah. the, the song that introduced Billy Flynn, where he's like talking about all he cares about is love, and when he's in the musical part of it, he's like, you know, dressed like a popper and shining shoes. And then the reality is he's like, you know, yelling at people while getting this like super nice suit done. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see how they play that in a stage. So mm-hmm. never seen it though, so I don't know. But yeah, so go go listen to me. <laughs> Get super drunk and talk about it. It's real fun. Yay. Yeah. Um, but I think that basically does it for us. Uh, so if you want to reach out to us and Cameron, what's our favorite if, phrase? Uh, if you want to tell us what we got wrong this yes. week. <laughs> reach out and we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook. Twitter, Gmail, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am personally at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. Uh, and then I finally posted I again you on did. Yeah. my art vlog, uh, Cameron.Dexter. I'm hoping to get uh, a few more in this next month in before I go back on my hiatus. Uh, and then what's the, the what's the next one in the bag? What's what's coming up next for us? Uh, give, us give us a tease. What? Well, uh, the the inside scoop <gasps> is uh, for March. I want to do a a few posts to help promote Ready Player One since that comes oh, out at the end of Oh, March. right, yeah. Oh, um, you guys heard it here, folks. Yeah, heard yeah. it here first. Exclusive. <laughs> Exclusive from the host. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I can get those done with okay. everything else getting done. And then uh, when this episode comes out, tomorrow will be the launch of Core Memories. Yes. So at Core Memory Co. at CoreMemoryCo.com, CoreMemoryCo.com. Uh, if you like Disney stuff, go buy my stuff. Yeah, see, I've noticed you've been posting some of the t-shirts over this last week, mm-hmm. and they are. I said this before, you're gonna get me to wear a crew neck, man, which is. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you the V neck of, of all of them. Custom made V neck of all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wes, do you want to post any like mention any social media stuff? Uh, no, I figured not. But I thought I'd, <laughs> I thought I'd ask. I, I, I think I have pull past you. The there. only one I have left is maybe a LinkedIn that is probably two plug, or three. Plug it. Let's get that <laughs> two or three. I don't. I cannot tell you what my LinkedIn uh, yeah, right. handle is or yeah. Um, well, but no. anyways, uh, Wes, thanks so much for for literally flying down here to join us for the podcast. Well, so. you know when uh, you know when you told me about what you guys were doing and, and I started listening to these, I've told you multiple times that this is the episode that I, if I want to talk about, I want to be, you know, down here to do with you. So thank you for having me. And this has been a, a lot of fun. Yeah. Your first podcast. It is my first podcast. Ever. Yeah. So. And we, we went all fancy. We, we came back down to Nerdist to do it in the booth <laughs> rather than just doing it in my living room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, the full experience. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, yeah, the, the full on thing. The, the yeah. full, you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So, so you can see all of our movie posters behind here. That yeah. We've brought well, over so, from our, our crossover. So we need more. Up. Yeah. Rag, Rag, get... Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, Homecoming, which I actually recently watched. Yeah. Um, I, I thought 
in I, real quick, yeah. but, oh, whatever. Um, I thought the first half was kind of meh, and the second half was, I thought, really good. Yeah. The, the first half was, I felt like a kid movie, and it yeah. was all teenage angst and stuff, and I'm sorry, I don't remember what that's like, because I'm <laughs> an adult now, yeah, and I have I really, you know, real responsibilities <laughs> and work and crap like oh, that. Back but, before the world shattered your fantasies, how know, great everything is. I know, but I, I grew um, that day. I know, yeah. Don't worry, Cameron. You got a few years left, buddy. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, homecoming. I I enjoyed it. Yeah. So I know, and you're actually gonna go see Infinity War in theaters. I yes. Uh, like yeah. I said, and I, now it's it's officially out there, so you have to. Well, yeah, it's on the internet, <laughs> yeah. so it must be true, right? Exactly. That, so. That's what I kind of forgot going to the theater this week is that there were movies coming out between Black Panther and Infinity War, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I kind of just like escaped my mind that stuff is still existing. There's other things we have to talk about. Instead. Yeah. We're probably gonna have to do an episode just for Ready Player One, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know. We're not doing that as a crossover, but you're gonna need that. I'm gonna need it. Okay. Well, we'll make that a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys, and welcome to At Least There's This. Nope, that's not. Why? That's not welcome. This is an advertisement. Hi, guys, this is an advertisement, so you're not welcome to At Least There's This. Hey, nope, ad. Hi, guys. The world can really suck sometimes, right? Uh, there are neo-Nazis who just, I mean, exist, and North Korea is doing its whole North Korea thing. But at least there's love, and plants, and dog fostering, and the Christmas truce of 1914. So join me every, probably, Tuesday for a new episode of At Least There's This, where I bring on a insightful or funny or just good friend uh, to talk to me about some of the silver linings in our gross world of hurt. Oh, and because I forgot to mention, I'm on the Nerdist School Network. This is me on my phone now because I'm forgetful. Oh, and also my name is Alex Schiffman. That's who I am, so I just forgot to mention that for most of this ad, and I'm pretty sure that's important. Look me up. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com.